Welcome everyone to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a CEO. Ask a CEO is a show that highlights the journey of CEOs to the corner office and what it's like running their companies today. I'm Greg Demetrio, your host. My day job is running a company called Lorraine Gregory Communications, which is an award-winning integrated marketing company. Uh, but Ask a CEO is my passion. And today we have a wonderful guest with us, very prominent healthcare professional, Dr. Jody Samra. Doctor is a clinical psychologist. She's a media consultant. She develops strategies for coping with life's most common and difficult challenges. She's a dynamic and engaged speaker. She's been invited to speak all over North America. She's appeared as the featured clinical expert, and I love this part. She was on three seasons of Animal Planet docu-reality show called Confessions Animal Hoarding. She's also the host and financial expert on another docu-reality show called Million Dollar Neighborhood. And Dr. Samra is the psychological consultant to City TV's Bachelor Canada. So she's a TV personality as well. She's a past president of the British Columbia Psycho Psychological Association and past chair of the British Columbia Psychologically Healthy Workplace Awards Committee. She's a recipient of the Canadian Psychological Association's New Researcher Award the British Columbia Psychological Association's Advancement of the Profession of Psychology Award. And we welcome you to the show. Thank you so very much for that wonderful welcome. And, and uh, so lovely to get to chat with you, Greg. Right. So, Doctor, the show is, the show is really about your journey to the C-suite and, and, and how you got there. So maybe you could tell the audience, which is a mix of CEOs and people trying to get to the corner office, about your backstory and your path to becoming a professional psychologist, a clinician, and then the founder and CEO in the field of psychology. Yeah, absolutely. So I think as for many of us, where we land isn't always where we anticipate is going to be precisely where we land. And, and uh, you know, I think of my, my first and foremost, my identity is that of a clinical psychologist. And being involved in that profession has been something ever since I was very little, um, I knew I wanted to do. So I always said I was going to be a doctor when I grew up. I always said I wanted to help people. But here's the thing, I would pass out if I cut myself and saw the sight of blood. <laughs> so, so very quickly, I realized physical medicine wasn't going to be the round that I was going to go. But very early, I mean, in my my uh, late elementary school years, I started my first volunteer job working at a senior's care home. I was so 
moved by how important it is for people to tell their story and how therapeutic that is when we have people in our environment that can really hear and listen uh, to us. That was really my job was to go in and listen. And so I knew then that, that psychology was a really? career I wanted to pursue. Really, from early on, that's, that's amazing. Most people flounder around, they like tumbleweed, you know, and then they wind up someplace. But to have that focus is a wonderful thing. My son happens to be a doctor, and he always wanted to be a doctor. And uh, he's achieved it finally, so thank you, God, for that. But, yeah, some people are very focused on that. I mean, he worked full-time and went to college full-time at the same time, and he would never do anything different now. So when you decided that it wasn't just going to be you as a psychologist and decided to have a company, what did what did you think your business model was going to look like uh, when you started? And did you have a particular clientele in mind? Yeah, um, great question. So I think when I started, I have two businesses. And so one is my clinical practice group. And so I've got a team of 10 and growing clinicians that provide now fully virtual based uh clinical therapy. And it really became, was came from necessity. And what was happening was I was growing my consulting and speaking career. I was getting busier than I knew what I had time to do with. And I realized, oh, I think I need someone else to have all these referrals coming. And I didn't want to refer them out. It was actually very candidly where it came to be. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to create something. And, and that was only three and a half short years ago. And, and so that, you know, necessity breeds invention, as they say. And I thought, okay, time to start this kind of associate model. And away I went. And we fast forward three and a half years later that I, I'm still very kind of early startup stages in that company. COVID threw me for a loop, as every small business has. Um, but it really came from serving a need and realizing that I myself could have more reach in the work I was doing if I was able to create a company um, that was very aligned with the way that I approach clinical service delivery. So that happened in, in, in simultaneously with you building almost like a side career of being a speaker and a consultant and so forth. And your clinical practice grew out of that. Yeah, I did. Well, as a side um, kind of parallel route, um, I'm actually trained as a forensic psychologist, a clinical forensic psychologist. So many, many years ago, I've been I've been practicing now for 18 years. Um, but earlier in my career, I was working in federal and provincial corrections, doing forensic work, yeah. realized very quickly in life that that was not the environment where I could really kind of be myself. Um, but I was very interested in medical legal issues and so very interested in legalities and systems and compensation systems. So it became very heavily involved in doing most of my clinical work around occupational disability and that intersection between work and mental health and a whole host of um, you know developments uh, happened. I was a research scientist at Simon Fraser University and there I led a number of national projects um, that really contributed to what now Canada has, I'm very proud to say, um, the first and only national standard of its kind in the world on psychological health and safety in the workplace. And so is my that right? is, is really, that right? And you and you wrote that? I'm involved. I'm a founding and ongoing technical committee uh, member of that. So there's a whole team, uh, a national team of fantastic experts. Um, but I'm the lead developer Ooh. of the psychosocial frame that's been adopted by the standard and the research tools that are used to evaluate psychological risk in our workplace. Because we know our work environments, right? They affect our mental health tremendously. Dr. Jody, you're such a slacker, really. Seriously. <laughs> and then you went on to found My Workplace Health. Tell us about that. 
I did. And so again, same, right? Necessity breeds invention. And I thought I'm getting busy and I'm not sleeping and I'm on planes, trains and automobiles. This was a while ago. And I thought, how do I have reach um, without, you know, kind of I can't be in 20 places at once. And I thought, well, time to start a firm and start a national consulting firm around something that is so relevant to every single one of us. Mm -hmm. Now, our company actually formally just launched in January 2020. Um, and of course, we know on March the 11th, the global pandemic was announced. And so as, um, you know, a new CEO, I've been tasked with pivoting my business and pivoting it fast uh, to respond. So it's funny, I, I launched a business that was in the works for two years earlier this year. And now I feel that I'm launching another new business because I've changed the, the model. Yeah. So it's a work it's a work in progress because it really didn't have an opportunity yet to get off the ground in a significant way. Am I correct? Well, well, I we did pretty well, actually. All things really? um, yeah, I mean, the, the bulk of what I was doing was a lot of kind of um, management training, leadership training, keynoting, speaking to CEOs around psychological health and safety, having people understand that we have a national standard, that there's obligations. Um, and I've been actually quite pleasantly um, surprised and excited at how open so many organizations are. And interestingly enough, that COVID-19 has underscored for so many organizations the importance of paying attention to the mental health of our employees. And so I'd say we're in a very busy state, wow. uh, thankfully, and I'm very grateful for that. Wow. So besides being a trained licensed professional, you're also a CEO. How do you balance the two? I mean, you have two focused situation, two companies that are all in your professional venue, but A, how do you do that? And how do you manage Jody Samra? Yeah, well, you know, it's a, a great question. It's coming out of the heels of me. I just came out of four weeks um, of protected business retreat and planning time that I had planned well over a year ago. And that came at a point where if I'm very candid is I was experiencing burnout. And, and I think like many leaders and I think so many entrepreneurs and leaders and small business owners these days can relate to the burnout that they've experienced since COVID, first starting a business, but then pivoting a business because the pandemic hits. And, and so the reality is a lot of things paid a price for a while, right? Sleep being number one and, and uh, you know, kind of all the things that come along with that. And But I've now made an intentional decision um, to start to restore, you know, a bit more harmony um, in life. So you carved out a chunk of time for you to go on a personal and business retreat to rethink how things mesh together and how Jody could have a life and still run two very vibrant companies and still be a speaker and a consultant. Yes? That's exactly right. Yes. Wow. I sat a lot with this interesting, I shut myself out to any external meetings and commitments. And so, which is very hard to do. So no external anything, internal meetings only. I limited my time on screen, had pen and paper and gave myself an opportunity to step back and do a big picture evaluation of priorities. Um, and I have found that emotionally and psychologically, but also strategically in my business, such an important thing to do. And I think so many leaders, and I had this self-talk happening this last month where I thought, my goodness, I have so many things to do, 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 do. But when you do that, you can't create in the same, and, and that's where leaders become leaders, right? Is they're great at creating. Yeah, I mean, I, re I always remember <laughs> the story of a crime. 
and how he never turned a hamburger in his life at McDonald's. He worked on the business, not in the business. So you did a great thing by stepping out of the business, at least peripherally, to re to regroup and refocus your business model, et cetera. So it's a, that's really a wonderful thing. More people should do that. I may have to take that up myself. So listen, now's a great time for me to take a little bit of a break and get a word from our sponsor. So just hang on. We'll be right back with Dr. Jody Samra. Want to get your marketing and advertising out to the widest audience with maximum effect? Check out Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. Tell your company's story with digital and traditional advertising and marketing. Visit LorraineGregory.com today. Okay, we're back with Dr. Jody Samra, the clinical psychologist and CEO. So historically, what marketing strategies have you used to attract new clients that build your business? Well, you may laugh a little bit at this, but up until uh, the last six months, I haven't had any concerted marketing strategy. Um, and I say that, you know, some of the, the startup phase is just kind of figuring it out a little bit as you're as you're going there, but but really it became word of mouth. And so, so I did have marketing. I had marketing that was happening implicitly. And uh, interestingly enough now with COVID hitting, it's made our team kind of step back and reevaluate the way we're approaching now fully online virtual marketing. Um, but my best marketing has been uh, word of mouth and networking. And one of the priorities that I identified this last month in terms of my role as a CEO is to carve out time where I myself can be creating space to be able to have conversations like this one exactly with correct. others and learn and engage. Yeah, exactly correct. That was one of the impetuses for starting the Ask a CEO because I was having conversations with so many CEOs and I always came away with a pearl that I could enact in my own self and in my own company. I just heard from you how valuable that that sabbatical was. I may have to take a look at that, preferably even the Caribbean, but we'll see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> but so tell me, okay, so now you work with a number of professionals, right? And how do you, how do you bring them together into a good employer situation, good corporate citizenship, good culture. How do you do that? What, what's, is there a particular goal you have in culture or, or running the company that way? Yeah, well, if I think, um, if I step back high level and, and speak for a moment about the National Standard of Canada for psychological health and safety in the workplace, um, that's a voluntary best practice guideline that we have and really the leading international guideline now for organizations. And it has an aspirational statement, which is to create organizations where individuals' um, emotional and psychological health is promoted and where we protect employees from harm. And I think very simply, now there's a whole um, set of, you know, guidelines and technicalities and approaches sure. that we can take, but we have 100 organizations, we have 100 different work environments. And, and first I say to leaders is we want to step back and just evaluate, evaluate what the strengths are in your organization, um, have good communication within your organization, take a look at what the relationships look like within an organization and a well-functioning organization has the feel that a functional family does, right? And if we think of, we all know the feeling, some, maybe some of our own family members. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. If we're talking about family members, you know, Uncle Joe, he could be, you know, he can do it. Like, they can stay away from Thanksgiving. It's okay. 
<laughs> yeah, and we know that feeling, right? When you go into a functioning, healthy, respectful family unit, there's a feel, right? There's a flow, there's an ease, there's a respect. People can call each other out. You don't have to get along every day and you don't have to like or love everybody every single day, but there's a respect and a civility that comes along with it and a collegiality. And I think organizations are exactly the same. And we know that feel when we've been on well-functioning teams, that kind of ease and flow. And again, it doesn't mean you agree on everything. It doesn't mean you share every opinion. It doesn't mean you're best friends, but, but that feel first and foremost is what we want to achieve. And I think that's the heart of a healthy organization. Yeah. Running a creative organization like our agency, there's lots of creative tension from time to time, but I always like to tell everybody we've eliminated the drama. There is no drama. Drama will find the way out the door quick enough because we just don't tolerate it. We're very friendly. We're very collegial. People are respected. We have a lot of laughs. It creates an environment where you want to come to work. I mean, I, I've worked in, in toxic places. Uh, there have been a couple of periods of time where we had some toxic individuals that were in the company and they did not stay because you have to protect that culture to get, especially on a creative company. With You can't have toxicity and creativity at the same time. It doesn't work. It, does, it just yeah. doesn't work. So, no, we're, we're, yeah, right. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doc. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's gonna say if we look at the other core elements, if we start to dismantle those elements, it's environments where we're supportive of struggles, right? And I think now more than ever, we're all experiencing different kinds of stress and impact on our mental health. Yeah. If we can be in organizations where we're psychologically supportive of others uh, when they're struggling, if we are in circumstances where um, there's good communication, where there's clear and what's expected to be done, where there's civility, where there's respect, uh, where there's good conflict management, right? As, as problems arise, um, are you solving problems? Are you looking for collective solution focused ways to approach challenges? Um, and are you doing things like giving performance feedback and, and constructive feedback and things that can help people grow and doing that in respectful, kind ways? It makes all the difference in the world taking that type of an attitude from the C-suite. Absolutely, it does. I mean, I tell people, Listen, life happens outside of work. Life is more important than work. You need to go and tend to your life. Just let me know. And I almost never say no, because those people need that kind of support, not only in the workplace, but in the family life as well. So it's a really great thing. So listen, I know I'm, I'm taking up an awful lot of your time today, but this is so exciting to me because, like I said, I'm a sponge. I'm listening to you. I'm gathering more information for myself. So here's the thing. I know I love what I do. I love to come to work. I love to do these interviews. I love to run the, the agency. What excites you about your business in the morning? Ah, oh, so much. I, I love people and I find human beings absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and I get the pleasure and honor of getting to delve into all kinds of systems and minds and approaches. And it's, it's a different puzzle every single day. So I would say the the challenge and the, the breadth of what I get to see and do. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's it being different every day is just wonderful. Right. So in, listen, in closing, I've always asked my guests two questions. One is what camera go out. Let's fix that. The two questions I ask is what was the best advice you ever gotten personally? And what advice would you give to our audience of CEOs and those trying to make their own journey to the corner office? Hmm. 
Mm. Well, I say the, the best collective advice, and there's lots of hard lessons that get us to learn this over the years, is to trust my intuition. Yeah. It, yeah. Our, our, yeah. our intuition doesn't fail us. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Trust that gut. Trust that little guy on your shoulder that tells you, hmm, maybe, maybe not, right? So tell me what, so you, that advice is just as good for yourself personally as it is for my CEOs and the people on their way to this corner office. So I'm going to thank you very much, but I'm going to give you the floor now to let people know how they can get a hold of you uh, and if they want more information. Absolutely. Well, our workplace consulting services and a whole host of free content. We've got free toolkits and videos and webinars on sleep and things that you can access at myworkplacehealth.com. And we've got a YouTube channel and Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, And then drjodysamra.com is the other place that you can find our broader resources on resilience and mental health. And, And I really have put a huge value in my whole career on offering a lot for free so we've got lots of free content for everybody well that's just that's just terrific that that's a, certainly a, a very important way to give back especially in your field so thank you very much for being on the show stay safe be well i don't want anybody to miss the opportunity to see an ask a ceo upcoming interview series we'll have invited guests from all different types of industries all over the country and the world as you can tell dr summer is from british columbia I'm here in New York, so it's a wonderful thing. Visit our gregscorneroffice.com for the full video versions or listen on your favorite podcast platform by searching Ask a CEO. Don't forget, please subscribe and share far and wide. Thank you. See you next time. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.